listening to the Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15. Hey there, I'm Adam Salarzik. And I'm Joe Struess. And we are meteorologists at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this is the Past the Forecast podcast. And man, have things changed in a week. Yeah, how about it? And we want to be a source of positivity. We're not going to sit there and focus on all the stressors we have going on in the world right now with the COVID-19 virus. Hopefully you all are out there being safe. We are practicing social distancing. We're about six feet apart right now in our podcast studio. And we're going to continue to Lysol everything that we already did before. And we're going to do so after. That's been the name of the game lately. And so lots of people are stuck inside right now and hopefully listening to this podcast but what are some of the things you like to do whenever you're stuck inside joe yeah i think it's we're coming out of the winter where you've you've been inside a lot just because the winter months often cause you to be inside so we look at this right now and we're saying oh no we're gonna have to you know do this shutdown thing for eight weeks what are we gonna do well, what have you been doing? And I understand it's hard because there's no sports there for a lot of people, but there's a huge amount of people that don't care about sports. So, yes, this is kind of a dramatic shift in our thinking, but if you just do what you've always done... Especially during the winter. Especially during the winter season, it, it's going to be okay. It's yes, be okay. it will be. Um, what have I been doing? Working on my putting stroke. Inside. 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 Yeah. Um, playing a lot of guitar. It's a, a very big hobby of yours. It is. It is. What's I, your favorite thing to play? Uh, rock, blues, blues, rock, rock and roll, blues. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. I, I've heard him. Heard him. A little progressive rock in there. List. I, I've listed off band names and songs, and he's been able to pretty much nail. I'd say seventy, seventy-five percent of them in terms of knowing how to get the bass part of that song done. Yeah, it's kind of the. The process was like for me, when I picked up a guitar, it was, okay, we can learn how to play some chords and stuff, but I need to be able to show up and play. So if one day I ever get to play organized out somewhere, again, maybe a little bar or something in Fort Wayne, <laughs> nothing nothing major, but yeah. people want to hear certain things. I was talking with Ross Kinsey, our chief photographer here. Who's, who's a great musician. Great musician. He plays on the weekly across the area. And recently people have said ross can you play this artist can you play something from this artist and he's really had to open up his book and start to learn one or two songs from a, a wide variety of artists just so he has it in his arsenal like for me i don't think i should be able to show up to a gig to play with people and not know how to play hard day's night by the beatles that's a staple you have to know how to play hard day's night you have to know how to play fortunate son ccr i will always be jealous i have tried to play guitar i've tried i just can't pick it up the most music i've had was two three years of playing clarinet in middle school so i played french horn for 10 years or so from the start of uh, middle school all the way through high school even into my college years i played in my church music ensemble very very uh, successful high school music program i was a part of it was a big part of my life but there comes a point where i'm in an apartment now you can't start playing the French yeah, horn, and that's a quieter. lot of right. That's a lot of classical stuff. 
Um, I have a great appreciation for classical music. That's something not a lot of people know about me. And um, I great respect for some of the fantastic composers of our time and before our time, way, way back. But I always have had this itch to want to learn how to play guitar. And it's taken time, but I got a guitar. I bought a used guitar. I met a guy. South side of Chicago, uh, we met at a restaurant on the south side, $65. I bought a, they, it's a, it's a Squire line guitar, um, which is the foreign line of Fender guitars. So Fender yep. makes guitars in the United States. When they're made outside of the country, they're called Squires. This guitar retailed for like 100 120 bucks. I bought it used for $65. The first couple of weeks of me sitting in my bedroom, I'm sure my parents were going, get that thing out of here. <laughs> Um, but throughout the years and in college, and now we're here in Fort Wayne, just playing, 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 trying to learn new things and have a lot of fun with it. It's a great escape. It's a great escape. Music's a great way. Even if you're a beginner, I know people who think they know nothing about music, but in this time now, when you are forced to stay inside, some people picked up a ukulele and they've learned how to play a few things. So, Hey, now's the time to pick up a good hobby. If you're looking for another hobby, that's all you got to do. You don't need the most expensive thing. Just get something that works and start messing with it. Exactly. Well, we're going to jump over more to weather topics as we track the topics. Tracking the topics. So this week is severe weather preparedness week. In fact, today we were supposed to have a statewide tornado drill where the sirens, the storm sirens around the area were going to go off, make sure they were all working in the event or as a result of recent events. We have had those tests canceled across the area, but it's still good to remember what you have to do in times of severe weather. And what are some of the bigger tips that we want to make sure we always hammer home, Joe? Number one, have a way of getting alerts. If it's your phone, if it's the Wayne 15 weather app, I don't care where you are in the country. The Wayne 15 weather app, which you can download for free, will alert you. You can set it to follow your location, and it will wake you up in the middle of the night with a ringer if you set it to do that on your phone. Um, and that's the key. You have to, if you have these apps, you want to make sure that the settings are so that it will go off, so that you don't have do not disturb mode or anything. Some of them are set so they'll bypass those features, but just make sure that they're set so you can get those alerts. And if you don't want to use your phone and set it that way, get a NOAA weather radio, have it plugged in, have it somewhere to where when it goes off at your household, it will wake you up and alert you. Notice we're kind of talking about the nighttime here a lot. Yes. Because that's a huge issue. That's a huge issue. We, we work all day. We spend some time with family at night, and then we go to sleep, and that's when severe weather can still strike. You can't see it coming, but it comes in the overnight hours, and that's when you need to be the most prepared. That's why I think we automatically gravitate to those nighttime mediums of having alerts because you can see when the weather is starting to turn during the day but if you're asleep at night well you need a way to get those alerts yes so you have to wake up once you hear that weather alert but then you immediately need to put your severe weather plan in place which you should have already thought about but it's different depending on perhaps if your household's in a mobile home park versus if your household's in just a standard subdivision do you have a basement do you have a crawl space we all have different plans depending on where we live And those plans usually revolve around getting to the most interior part of your structure that you are in. Some mobile home parks I know have 
tornado shelters on their premises that you have to leave your mobile home and get to this more sturdy shelter uh, to keep you safe that is designed to do so but get into the lowest level most interior part of your house away from doors and windows we'll repeat that over and over again as we are on the air here at wayne 15 to remind you where you need to be and also after the storm passes, if you lose power, make sure you have a way to know what's going on with the weather in the outside world. Now, this is a big week for us. Severe weather week um, across the state, but also a week where we could see some severe weather. Yeah, it could be our first chance for some severe storms to work their way into the area later on this week, as early as tomorrow. So you're already sheltering in place, if you will. Uh, with the with the virus going on. So whether you're inside because you don't have to go to work or because it's going to be raining for the latter half of this week, you can you can enjoy Mother Nature through TV. Yes, and one of our favorite movies, it's my favorite weather movie, I know for sure, and it's several other meteorologists' favorite movies is Twister. This is Rabbit. This is Rabbit. <laughs> There's so many iconic things about that movie for me. All the maps. And it's most of it, I would say, the basis of it is true. There are people that go out there and chase storms. There are researchers that go and try and put these devices into these tornadoes to get information to try and learn about them. But then there's also some things that are obviously made for Hollywood. Driving a truck through a house that is turned over in the middle of the road. You also have the final scene where they're in that barn and they are tied off to this pipe that what goes down 30 feet into the ground and they're going to be safe. Well, if this is an EF5 tornado that is moving through with nearly 300 mile per hour winds, there is so much debris and wood being thrown around. They're being they're being elevated up into the air. That's that's one of those made for made for Hollywood scenes, which we do appreciate for that time. What was it, 1996, that this movie was made? That the CGI it may have been before then was fantastic. It may have been before then. Um, 96. It was fantastic, regardless of what year it was. I'm going to look that up really quick here. It was 1996. Yeah, no, I love the movie. Um, I think it's a movie that showed you that tornadoes are scary, but it kind of gives you a glimpse into how people are doing real research. Uh, the The concept of the movie to to put a pod down and have all these little cells these little devices sucked into the tornado and get out 10 feet in front of the tornado to make sure this that's not realistic. But, but Tim Samaras, legendary tornado researcher, engineer, uh, recently he did unfortunately pass away doing yeah. this type of research with tornadoes. But Very Tim, important research, though. Tim had these pods, if you will, um, Dr. Josh Warman from the Center of Severe Weather Research has also done stuff like this. These pods, these these little weather pods that are collecting weather data and perhaps have a camera on them from the ground. And what Tim Samaras did was he was able to go out in front of a tornado, put the pod on the ground, 
have the tornado pass over it. So we have some video, it, you can find it online, Tim Samaras, where he actually captured a tornado coming over this pod on the ground. It's phenomenal because you get to see into a tornado for the first time. Now, what does it look like on camera? Just a bunch of dirt and debris. It's not like the movie Twister where you're looking up into this big tight funnel and it's lightning's going off in there the and it's swirling. The you're and in the, yeah, it's it's a little that's a little dramatic. But there is real research being done like that. Um, Vortex, the Vortex Project, Vortex Two, NOAA, the National Center for Severe Weather Research, um, the National Severe Storms Lab, NSSL, which is referenced. They're referenced. They're referenced in the movie. A lot of research has been done with going out with either weather data on vehicles or in these pods, and then they try to get measurements of weather data at the surface. What's the pressure doing? What's the dew point like? The temperature? What happens when a tornado uh, comes over an area? Because you use that data to try to say, how can we predict a tornado is going to form? That's the big question here. Yeah, and we have gotten better in the last several years of advanced warning times. Uh, I think the time is now, what, 12 minutes at least? Roughly. Uh, It used to be seven minutes or less for tornadoes. So every minute, whenever these storms are bearing down on you, is crucial for you to get to your safe places. What's interesting with that movie and what we were just talking about, the research that's being done is in that movie and real life research is to try to figure out how or when a tornado is going to happen. But the movie contradicts itself in the middle of it. They say a line, uh, I believe it's dusty. is the character. He goes, Hey, this is towards probably 75% of the way in the movie. He goes, Hey, they're predicting an E or uh, an F five. Back then, it was just the the Vegeta scale. Yeah. They didn't have the E, the enhanced Vegeta scale the enhanced yet. Enhanced added onto that. But it was just the F five, top of the line, massive, strong tornado. He goes, they're they're predicting an F five, and it's going to hit Wakita. Well, we can't do that. We can't do that even today. We can't say tomorrow there's going to be a tornado of this category, this rating, this much damage that's going to occur because of it, and it's going to hit this city tomorrow. We can't do that. We can't say that even 10 minutes out. We could look at radar and say, hey, that looks like there could be a tornado there, but until we get a ground confirmation that there's one occurring. We're waiting for one to be on the ground confirmed, and then we these storms are not rated until the day after, or could be a couple out, depending on when it happens, the day after or even several days after, as we saw was the case with the Nashville tornadoes, they don't give out a rating until they're able to get out and see the damage that occurred in those areas. And that's another flaw with the movie Twister. Early on, they are going after a storm that's producing a tornado, and they say, this is going to be strong, EF, or strong F2, F3, based on what we're seeing. Well, they're just looking at scans from a velocity radar, which we use on TV. Think about tornado coverage. We say, hey, the greens are going this way. The reds are going this way. We're seeing this rotational area. If you haven't seen us do severe weather coverage in a while, keep an eye because I'm sure it's coming in the coming months. That's how we detect that a storm is rotating, especially at the lower levels, thus the idea that there could be a tornado happening. But they're looking at it saying this circulation that we see on radar is most definitely an F2 or an F3. You can't do that. 
You can't look at that and say, all right, that's what the rating of the tornado is as it's happening in real time. So that's where the movie contradicts itself. We can see wind speeds on that velo- on those velocity scans, but those are scanning at different levels of the storm. So that might not be ground truth at what is happening down at the surface. There could be 120 mile per hour winds so many meters up. But down at the surface, it could be 80 mile per hour, which would be EF0 tornado. And that's one of the challenges we have as meteorologists. So Twister, in a roundabout way, kind of completes the story. It just maybe gives a little bit of misleading information in there. Um, nonetheless, I love the movie. Bill Paxton, Bill Paxton, rest in peace as well. Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest, rest in, in peace, peace as well. But great, great, great roles in that movie. And Bill Paxton, I got to tell you, for so, someone like me who grew up and realized really quickly he wasn't going to be a professional athlete or a professional <laughs> musician. You, st- you still have a chance at musician. I had to find I had to find something to do. Bill Paxton's role in Twister and in Apollo 13 when he played astronaut Fred Hayes. Oh, that's, a, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. A fantastic movie, and from what I understand, very close to, to reality in there. Obviously, Tom, Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon. That was a great crew oh, to just to watch. And you had... Um, I want to watch that movie. <laughs> what's, the, what's the other guy? I, Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, uh, Gary Sinise. Gary Sinise, yeah. That, what an all-star cast for that. Uh, but yeah, so Bill Paxton, like I, like I said, you got two, two great science-themed movies there that inspired me to, to want to do something in the science field. I went the weather route, but I think you would maybe agree with that. I mean, those are two fantastic movies for those of us that maybe could see ourselves doing something scientifically one day. I was terrified of tornadoes and storms whenever I was younger, as we have talked about on this podcast uh, previously. So I was terrified of the movie Twister until I got the interest in weather, and I was like, this is awesome. I loved the movie, and as I've gotten older, I still look back at it as a classic and iconic movie in the world of weather. Yeah, and I got the same story as you. Frightened frightened as a young as a young lad. Um, I'm sure my family members can recall, too. It was kind of a spaz when it came to weather. <laughs> um, just very frightened, but then slowly became excited about it, and Twister played a big part in that. Well, that concludes Adam and Joe's movie reviews of the movie <laughs> Twister. Let's move on to What the Hail. What the Hail? What the Hail is up with this, Adam? So <laughs> Adam and I, we like to sports bet, and we can't... We don't go crazy. Let's preface that. We can't sports bet right now because there's no sports to bet on. Understood, Ooh. as it should be. Australian rugby. Okay, well, I'm not betting on Australian <laughs> rugby, but Adam made this... Wonderful discovery. Wonderful discovery. Betting on the weather. Now, see, this is something that some people could put their money where their mouth is legitimately that criticize our forecasts. There's certain sites in Vegas that are accepting bets on the weather. For example, today you could bet on the high in Birmingham, Alabama to be over or under 82 degrees. We kind of have a little bit of an advantage because we understand the science behind weather. See, it's an interesting thing. You know, you have professional athletes who cannot gamble, obviously, on the sport they play, which 
you it doesn't take a lot to think about why that's not okay. Um, yeah, because they you, can control the outcome. Right, exactly. We can't really control the outcome, but should we be allowed to bet on weather? I don't see why that would be a problem. I mean, we have the educated, we have the educated know-how of the fact that you and I sat there and said, "Hey, the odds are actually not in our favor if we bet the over on that to go over eighty-two degrees." But you and I sat there and looked at all our weather data and said, "You know what? I think we probably bet the over." The over is not a bad bet. It's not a bad bet tomorrow with what's going on in the atmosphere. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the rules are here. This is interesting because there's no sports to bet on. The weather's always going to be here. You have a you have a pandemic like this that is going to shut down a lot of things socially and in the entertainment industry, but the weather's always going to be there. So can we fairly bet on this? I mean, my I, I don't know. It almost seems like it's too good to be true. I mean, people can go out and make educated guesses on what the weather's going to be. Like, they can get access to most of the same data that we can. We just can make a more educated guess, I would be... We know how to use it. That that that's what our advantage would be. We know how to use the data. I mean, you could go out and look at all the data right now, and we looked at it, and everything we looked at for high temperatures tomorrow was at 82 or less. But we believe because of the weather pattern that we're seeing, there's a favorable chance for it to exceed 82 degrees. Not necessarily that it's going to happen for sure, but we believe that there's a favorable chance for us to break the 82 degree barrier tomorrow based on the weather pattern we're seeing coming in that's something that you at home would probably not be able to pick up on if you don't have any weather knowledge yeah and for the record i have not placed a bet on weather neither have i i think it's just entertaining that in lieu of sports betting it's something to think about I, i don't know i mean it almost seems like it's a little bit of a it's very intriguing it's very intriguing because (laughs) It really wouldn't be that hard for you or I or any meteorologist to go on and you're probably not going to bet on every city because we can make an educated reason to say that's not a good bet for like an over under on a degree forecast. But we could go on probably every night and say, well, let's try this city. Let's try this city. Okay. And we probably would get it right. We would sit there and probably pick the best one to bet on. Right. And you probably could string a couple wins together. I don't know. I think I know what we're going to do with the rest of our day. <laughs> I just wonder if there's a, I mean, is it okay for us to do it? I mean, we're, it, 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 you can't, we can't affect the outcome. And that weather data is out there for everybody to use. We just happen to have a degree in it. Are there, are there people out there that play sports bets that are professional sports bettors? Yes, there are. And the difference is we know the weather pattern that's coming in to where, we could see where it's likely to exceed or fall short of a certain temperature. In sports, it's all dependent on what happens in that contest. Yeah, I'm sure the St. Louis Blues are going to win 9 out of 10 games against the Detroit Red Wings. Yes, right. But the one day you bet on the Blues and you need them to win because you've got a parlay bet or something going on, the Red Wings win. Because that's just how it works. works. But with weather, you can actually back up your reasoning. reasoning. So I I think this is fascinating. It's something I want to look into further to make sure it's okay to do. (laughs) No, really, because I'm a meteorologist. I don't know if that's that's exactly fair. I think it's fine. I think it is too, but again, got to double check. Got to dot the I's, cross the T's. You're not 
just a meteorologist anymore. You are also a seamstress because you oh, yeah, learned that. a new skill. Well, it's an old skill. It's an old school that came back to me. So in my <laughs> middle school days, we had the option. This is totally on a different route here. So yeah, in so my in my middle school days, <laughs> I had the option to take a couple different classes. You could take a cooking class. You could take like a home, a home ec class maybe? My home ec class had everything all in one. There was cooking. There was sewing. Okay. There was cleaning. It was all. Yeah, mine, mine was split differently and... For some reason, I missed out on the cooking class, which I don't think I was going to take anyways due to my allergy. That's uh, fair. Aller- allergic to peanuts, didn't really want to mess around with it. So I ended up somehow in this sewing class. I remember walking in going, what am I doing here? You know, what are we, but we were making a pillow. I walked, I still have it at home, back in <laughs> Dyer. There's a pillow there where I cut out the Notre Dame logo and put it on this pillow and there's a little something there. Um but I had to learn how to sew, and I just remember back in sixth grade poking my finger a thousand times with a needle, getting frustrated with it. It was not, it was not a good experience. I did not enjoy it. Well, the other day, last Friday, we've got coronavirus stories going crazy around here. It's just, it was, um, it was a very busy couple of days for us, and it still has been in the newsroom. So it was one of those days where you're just running around. You're just trying to get your story done. That day I was covering what church's plans were uh, this past weekend with large gatherings of people, what their plans were. So I, I was totally just all over the place, driving from location to location. I guess I was putting some stress in my pants. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I go. Did you have a really big meal? No, no. I go home. I take my work pants off. The minute I pull the button, it flies off. And I go, son of a gun. <laughs> Come on. Like, I got to work this weekend. I wear a suit when I work. I wear just standard slacks, if you will, during the week. So I love these. I love these pants. They're much more comfortable to report in. I'm like, Come on. Now I got to now I got to sew a button back on. I don't know what I'm doing. So I put it off for a couple days and then these past few days were my weekend, Monday, Tuesday. I went out to uh, my local drugstore, picked up $2 sewing kit, a couple needles, a couple, couple uh, what, what are they, spools of thread? You're Is talking somewhere terminology? Just a couple little things of since home just, ec class. Just had a couple <laughs> little things of black thread on there, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I have to do it. So... It needs to be done. It needs to be done because this is these are my favorite pair of pants. I got another big week ahead with coronavirus coverage and everything else coming our way. Like I said, very busy week here. I want to do everything I can in my power to control that I'll be able to get my stuff done successfully. And not worry about your pants. I don't need my pants getting in the way. <laughs> so, here we go. I take the needle out of the package. Well, did you realize how small a needle is to try to put the thread through? Yes. Man, that was objective number one. Then I remembered from sixth grade sewing class, you have to knot one side so that when you string it through, it doesn't just keep pulling through the rest of the thread. So I start messing around with it. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here. So I go on to my favorite search platform, Google, and I said, how to tie a knot when sewing. (laughs) There's a great six-step diagram there. And I watched it. 
I watched what they said to do, and it came right back to me. So you just loop the thread over your index finger once, put your thumb and your index finger together so they press with the thread in between, and just pull it. And you get a little knot on the end. So when that was done, I said, Booyah, I've got my knot. (laughs) Now what do I have to do? Well, now I have to put the button against the pants and sew it together. This... This was more challenging than it should have been. So finally I get the button on the pants, whatever. Well, I didn't put it back in the right spot. I had it like a half inch to the left of where it was supposed to be. So I went to button my pants together. The button held, but the pants were not overlapping like they're supposed to. So then I had to cut all the thread off. You thought you had success. I and thought then you I had to did it. Back. I thought I did it. I said, wow, I've just sewed a button on my pants for like the first time ever. I don't have to ask my mom to do it like I had to do growing up all the time. I got this. I got this. So I go to do it again. At this point, I have now just like just poked my finger. How many times do you estimate you? Probably you about yourself? six. Probably about six. That's quite a few. And at this point, I'm like, come on, I got to do it again. So then I retie the knot. I'm sitting there. I'm like starting to get a little frustrated because I'm like, you know, I just did this. I just did this. We're good. I can go on and do something else. Well, I took a few deep breaths. We reset. We realigned the button. We got it on. It survived the wash in the washing machine. I'm wearing them today. Thank you. So if you need if you need a button sewn on your jacket or something, I got you covered. Call Joe Shrews. What's the I got you covered? No, 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 no. I don't want people calling me. But if you had them, <laughs> I got your back. I'll keep that in mind. I actually do have a button that needs to be sewn on. Okay. So well, then, you know, I might want to experiment myself though. Might have to. I might borrow your thread and your needle. Well, that's, not the one that you Adam, stab yourself it's with. It's two dollars at the store right down the street. But your apartment's right down the street from me too. So. Or social distancing, sorry. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> well. Well, I'm that. glad you got that all sorted out. So betting on the weather and sewing. What the hell? I didn't see either one of those things coming <laughs> in the last few days. That's the point of what the hail. The good news is this time of the year, hail, not a huge problem, especially with the next few systems that are coming through. It will become more of a problem, um, but... We're not talking about hail the next few days. So your windshields, they're going to be all right. For now. For now. Stay tuned. Let's move on to hits and misses. Hits and misses. We had some tricky precipitation moving through these last uh, five, six days or so uh, since our last hits and misses segment. Uh, Let's start with our hit. On uh, Sunday, we started seeing transitioning of the time of our rain that we thought was going to be here early on St. Patrick's Day. On Saturday, we both said early rain on Saturday or on uh, on Tuesday morning and then dry for the afternoon. Sunday, you come in, write your email to me, added a 20% chance for Monday because timing was starting to change. I held that for our Monday. It arrived a little bit earlier uh, even still than what I think we were initially thinking I think we were thinking right around the dinner time late evening time frame four or five o'clock 
started to get in here maybe an hour early or so, and then we had the rain overnight into early Tuesday. Yeah, so we saw we saw the adjustment in timing throughout the weekend. We made that adjustment. The end of St. Patrick's Day turned out pretty nice with some sunshine. But Adam, we missed. And it wasn't just you and I. It was the four of us as a team. Yes, it was. But it wasn't just us as a team. It was a lot of meteorologists across the region because the system that came through this past Saturday, the 14th, was a challenge. It was a challenge. We were thinking sunshine for our uh, for our Saturday. That was not the case. That was not the case. Winter decided to remind us that it was still indeed the winter season. So I talked to our chief meteorologist, Nicholas, on Thursday, Nicholas Ferrari, and I said, what do you think for the weekend? Because I record a little promo thing for our weekend mor- morning show. So he said, you know, it's tough to say, but it looks like there might be some precipitation in there, but it's tough to say right now. It's kind of going back and forth. Greg came in Friday morning, held with a mostly sunny day for Saturday. Then Nicholas said in his email to me Friday night into Saturday, hey, it's looking like precipitation might be more likely for Saturday. I've increased to a 20% chance, and uh, that was for a rain-snow mix. Uh, the temperatures were so that it wouldn't only be snow, but it would be a bit of a mix. So I'm like, all right, you know, this won't be a big deal today. I get to work and start looking at things, and man, it became even more aggressive. Even more aggressive. We started seeing reports that we would see accumulating snowfall. In some areas. In off, some areas off to our south. Extreme southern counties down there near Portland. If you live south of our viewing area in like Delaware County or along the I-70 corridor in Indiana, you saw, some places saw almost five inches of snow. That wasn't predicted by meteorologists down in Indianapolis. And up here, we didn't see anything like that in the days prior. What happened was we had a weather system slide through, and it ended up containing a bit more energy than what our models were perhaps predicting. And it was more in the upper levels than it was down at the surface. There were no real big surface features to force this snow. But we saw a few indications looking back at it this morning that there there was going to be the chance for some precipitation. But we had another big problem here. We had winds out of the northeast in Fort Wayne. Well, the winds to our north, the air to our north was much drier. So my forecasting sense was going, okay, some models are showing some precipitation today. We have a low chance. We have winds out of the north bringing drier air into place, which a lot of times will eat away at those precipitation chances. Let's only go with about a 30% chance for a rain-snow mix. We'll be all right. No significant snow accumulation is what I said. And uh, by that point, it was okay. We had recovered the forecast a bit to where we had adjusted, but it even exceeded that. You saw bands of heavy snow in some areas. Yeah, some places were picking up. uh, There was really not much accumulation going on with the few flurries we saw during the mid-afternoon. But once the evening hit, that's where we saw those bursts of snow, those heavier rounds. In some places, especially grassy surfaces and elevated surfaces, hit right around an inch in several parts of our viewing area. The good news is is that the roads remained 
uh, clear of snow. They did become wet as it had just as it, if it had just rained, but travel was not impacted really on Saturday. It was just the visibility and the fact that we had some heavy snow that may have caused uh, some issues if you were out on the roads. But it was still a surprise that we saw that quantity of snow. Yeah, so not not terrible forecasting lately. Obviously. A few struggles with that system. A lot of people had struggles with that system. So I feel like we went and looked back at it and we could take some lessons from it, what to look for next time. As for the St. Patrick's Day, fortunately we did catch that one and it looks like we hit that forecast pretty well. Yeah, it took a while for the sun to come out, but once the sun came out, that's where we got those temperatures up near 50 degrees. wasn't too shabby that evening. Let's move on to viewer questions. It's the past the Forecast Inbox. All right, the past the forecast inbox today, Brandon sends us this question. What is the difference between climate and weather? Climate and weather, a common thing that they're always connected because climate is more long spanning. Weather is what is happening right now. Weather is the day-to-day patterns. So whenever we have in the say, uh, early part of the winter season and we have a very heavy snow. People are always like, global warming, climate change? Yeah, right. We just had eight inches of snow in October. That's not necessarily because of climate change. That is the weather pattern dictating that we're going to have eight inches of snow. That's not over the long uh, long scheme of things. Yeah, I love when we go into the winter months and we get a day in there that's maybe 60 degrees going into the month of December, end of November, end of December, or coming out of it, end of February, into March. Sometimes you see tweets out there. Well, this is global warming. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. One nice day in the middle of the winter is not global warming. If you go back over the last 50, 100 winters and you take what the average temperature was for a three-month period and you see that that number is slightly increasing over time, that would indicate that there is some climate change happening. But one, even one month above average isn't no. going to be a sign of that. When it's you get, the cumulative effect. When you get 12 inches of snow dumped on your front porch, and then you see the pictures, what global warming? I just shake my head. It's winter. It's winter. And I'm not saying it does not exist. I believe, as well as I believe you do, yeah. climate change is a real thing, and it's happening. But if you take your day-to-day weather forecast and try to say, oh, this is an example of global warming, oh, this is an example, and it's not, Stop. Get out. So just keep that in mind. You'll anger Joe. You'll irritate me. (laughs) It's not an anger thing as much as it's just, can you just sit down and listen and think about what you're saying? Just think about it. And that's the purpose of this. We're educating you that climate and weather are not the same. Weather is, if you look at it over the course, we both watch TV shows. We enjoy TV shows. There's Climate would be the cumulative series. Of a show that runs 10 years. Sure. Weather is that day's episode. Yeah, and so you might watch an episode if you're watching something like, I don't know, give me a show. 
drawing a blank here. Uh, Big Bang Theory. I know you don't like that show necessarily, but I'm just, that's the so one there might be a head. Big Bang Theory episode that is extremely funny that you just think's the best episode ever. The next one might not be as funny. They might have not appealed to your senses of humor as much. What are you gonna say? Oh, the show's not funny anymore because of one episode. You're gonna say this is the funniest, best, greatest show ever because of one episode. That's just like our weather. Tomorrow we're going to have rain here with some thunderstorms. Yesterday was fantastic where we had some sun in that second half of the day, and it was a beautiful afternoon for springtime. And the temperatures tomorrow will probably end up in the mid to upper 60s. So what are you going to say? Oh, yeah, this is March. This is global warming? No. No, it's a weather pattern. Wait till the weekend. The the cold air is going to come in behind the weather system. We have weather systems constantly moving around the globe. And I'm done. Move on. It's also the first day of spring. So happy first day of spring. Yeah. And hopefully we have a good spring season. Not too many strong to severe storms. We know we're going to be getting them at some point, but hopefully it's not a, a massive severe weather season. What happened 25 years ago today, March 18th? 25 years ago? Yeah. Chicago basketball history. Go ahead. Yes. You have no idea. No, I, I basketball. Is I told you what our number was for yes, today. Yes, I know. I'm figuring it has something to do with Michael Jordan. Was it the flu game? No. 25 years ago today, according to Twitter, Michael Jordan came back to basketball. Oh. So they won a couple championships. They did their three-peat, and then he left to go play baseball or give baseball a try. Give it a try. And then he came back to the Bulls, and they three-peated again. So in that spirit, we will see you next time. As we try to be 23% right about the weather this week. Stay healthy, everybody. This has been Past the Forecast Podcast from Wayne 15.